0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian.
1: Dakota Lawson?
0: on this podcast hold
1: on <laughs> i just feel like i squeaked at the end there <laughs> you did a little I, bit i was like i was like oh man uh if puberty finally hit me
0: <gasps> i was just trying to ignore it for you yeah
1: then you kind of laughed a little bit and i'm like oh i feel like i should address this so so the audience is like is she married to like a 14 year old no,
0: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> anyways keep going <laughs>
0: yeah so on this podcast i'll tell him a story from history and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions so if you love history.
1: Or you absolutely hate it.
0: This podcast is for you. All right, Dakota, so on today's first Shorty Summer episode...
1: uh, Hold on, I've been preparing a song for this that I didn't write. Uh, Hey, Shorty, it's your birthday. You're gonna party like it's your birthday. Do you remember when people would sing that song? I do, yeah. Back in the mid-2000s? I
0: do remember that, yes.
1: Okay, what is our first Shorty Summer?
0: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the TRC and land acknowledgements okay these are very Canadian things well land acknowledgements less very Canadian but the TRC um, the truth and reconciliation
1: oh okay okay because I was like I'm familiar because we do land recognition each week Mm -hmm. that's what we do right Mm -hmm. so I'm not but TRC didn't ring ring a bell but okay sounds good I'm, I'm intrigued
0: okay so sit down buckle up and get ready to listen to the history of the TRC and land acknowledgements I'd like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Okay, so Dakota, we premiered a new segment last week called "News." New Nudes. Nudes. Not nudes.
1: News. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's less fun
0: new Mm. news so i am bringing us a topical news piece today and then next week you'll bring one and then i'll bring one the week after and so on and so forth until summer's over it'll
1: be it'll be like a competition who (laughs) can bring the you know bring the heat you know mine's probably gonna be some fucked up shit so get (laughs) ready for that
0: can't wait yeah so my news for this week is how western canada is under a heat dome not a heat wave and how bc is on fire
1: Uh, In a a dome? They're actually, that's what they're calling it, is a heat dome?
0: Yeah, so I didn't read up on that, but I think what they mean is that, like, that the heat can't get out, so it's, like, in a dome, um, rather than a heat wave, so, like, the heat just keeps, like, repeating itself over and over and, like, making itself hotter, I think is what they mean by the idea of a heat dome, so we've got, like, a a lid of hotness
1: over the... interesting i feel like we're in the simpsons movie where that dome got put over them do you remember i do and they had to change businesses names to uh dome depot and (laughs) stuff like
0: that yeah except we're in a heat dome so yeah yeah i uh, was doing a bit of reading about how this is um like a record-breaking unprecedented Heat well,
1: as people love to say in this pandemic times we're, we're living through unprecedented times yes i fucking hate what people say i know <laughs> you do that's why i specifically <laughs> yeah, said that thank you um,
0: but i have read that um since 2000 18 of the 20 hottest years have been between 2000 and 2020 so there's only been like two years that were hotter that didn't happen before the year 2000 really yes so our world's on fire
1: yeah it's and just, it's just dying we're, we're all just, gonna
0: we're all gonna burn to death we're all gonna burn
1: to death yeah no it's crazy I mean the heat the well, like what's happening in BC I mean with people like how many people died because of the heat
0: Uh, So the most recent number I saw was 796 because of the heat wave.
1: That's that's way more than I thought. That's crazy.
0: Yes. So people just dying because it's too hot. Um, The fires. So Lytton, BC, uh, for three days in a row, held the record for the hottest place in Canada. And then on the fourth day, it burned to the ground.
1: Fuck. How hot was was it? Do you know? I
0: feel like it was around 50.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. So... Has has it ever got that hot here? No, that's...
0: No, it... In, in Saskatchewan? Yeah. No, so that actually broke all records in really? Canada. Holy
1: yeah. crap. Yeah. I can't even imagine what 50 feels like. No. Well- I know. Well, oh, I know it's like, we've been at 40 and it's like only 10 more, but it's like, 40 is like unbearably hot. hmm Yeah. So I can't imagine 50.
0: Yeah. I can't... I don't think I've felt 50 degrees. I remember landing in... Uh, Abu Dhabi, which is in the Middle East, at about 6 a.m. And it was 42 degrees. Oh, yeah. But that's a dry heat. Like, it's a desert. So it's so, different. Yeah, yeah, so you're not, like, oppressively walking into a wall
1: of hot. But even... Yeah, it is definitely different. But I know, like, even yesterday, or, no, at the grad sale cause the that we had the other day, it was, like, just, like, you walk outside and you're like, ah, oh, that's just a wall of heat hitting me. Yeah, and
0: that was only 38.
1: Really? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, so, I mean the scientists are saying that we should prepare to have more summers like this Mm -hmm. where it's hotter sooner right like our heat waves don't usually hit us until end of july beginning of august and this is beginning of june or end of june sorry so um we're gonna have longer hotter summer longer hotter drier summers so Hmm. um you know i think about climate refugees right they're yeah. saying that with the oceans rising we're going to displace about 7 million people now that number could be it is different depending on what source you read but yeah. um people who live on the coast yeah there's going to be about 7 million or more refugees that are going to have nowhere to live because their world their their whole life is underwater like Miami mm-hmm. will be underwater and so the one article that i was reading uh said best case scenario Miami is still underwater
1: and and do they have any, like, time frame for when that's actually going to happen?
0: Uh, by 21. What, I don't know how to say that. We're Two, in 21. You, no, we're in 2021, but in 21. So, 2100. How would you say that? 2100? Like 2100. Yeah,
1: 2100. Okay, so... The- so, like, 80 years from now. Really? Mm-hmm. and And isn't that the same place for, like, California as yes. well? yeah. Like... What's going to happen to Hollywood? (laughs) Maybe it's going to
0: move to Saskatchewan.
1: I was thinking Utah, but sure, Saskatchewan.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, you know, the tropics are going to be 50% hotter, they're thinking.
1: uh, 50% hotter. I know. We're already like... So at that point, it's going to be like, should we go to Mexico? Or wherever, wherever, it's like, no, that's way too fucking hot. Yeah, we can just go, go, go to Let's go to Balmy, Saskatchewan. Well,
0: like, actually, so... Yeah.
1: It's really wild to think about... We're gonna be a destination for people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's only 40 degrees there. Let's go there.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. there, bud. <laughs> I
1: don't know why they're talking like Canadians <laughs> coming to us. <laughs> I don't know, Yeah, but They're trying to fit in with us, you yeah, know? Oh, we gotta one. talk like them there, bud. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um... Yeah, so we were talking a little bit about it earlier today, and you asked, what do I think is going to happen to people? Mm -hmm. So I think as a species, we will survive. I think human beings are resilient. I think the rich people will have a better survival chance than the poor people. Mm -hmm. We've already seen a lot of that in terms of pandemics.
1: Now, we fit into middle class, so where are we at in this scenario?
0: I feel like we might be okay. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to us, because... There are definitely more rich people, or not more rich people. There's more middle class people, but the rich people have way more money than we do. So Mm -hmm. who's to say? But I think as a species, we will survive. Mm -hmm. I think there could be an extreme decline in population if we're losing space to live, which also means we're going to lose farmland. We're going to have more droughts. Saskatchewan is a drought province. We are prone to droughts, and we're going to see more of those. Or some people think that we're going to have better farming land. I don't know. Um, Those
1: are very just two opposites. I don't really depends (laughs) on who you talk to. Well, I mean, I feel like with every conversation, there's always like people that are going to be on one side or the other. It's like climate change, climate change exists. Climate change is a myth. Like, it's like, there's that, there's always those polar opposites that it's like,
0: I know one of them
1: exists and the other is fabrication.
0: Yeah. I think, I think the story is more, everybody agrees that it exists. Mm -hmm. However, what is the cause of it? And so like conservatives, although I could be wrong, conservatives just voted to say that it doesn't exist. I think, I don't know. Or that it wasn't caused by humans, but like often, and there is some truth to that. I don't subscribe to that whole belief that humans Mm. aren't causing this climate change, but there is some truth to that, right? Like our world has continually gone through warming and cooling periods, right? We've had ice ages. We've had times where the Thames would freeze over Um, the the Thames in London. So like in the 1600s, it's a river. It's the name of the river, the river Thames.
1: Why the fuck would I know that? Why didn't you, you just say, ah, the rivers in London?
0: Just one. Just one river. I haven't the big been there, river.
1: dear. I, I didn't fucking uh, live in live in jolly old London like you. Well, I
0: lived in Leicester, but thank
1: you. Less- <laughs> Anyways, yeah. uh, rivers. Rivers in London.
0: Yes. So this river, the main river in London, the River Thames, yeah. would freeze over in the winter, which is not common now. doesn't happen now. So, what I'm trying to say is that yes, the world has always gone through heating and cooling periods. However, this period of heating has been ramped up and gone way quicker because of human actions.
1: We're the worst. Absolutely, we're like yeah. little
0: parasites. That's how I like, see. Fuck. That's how
1: I see myself.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your golden nugget?
1: Uh, yeah. So, my golden nugget uh, is <laughs> I. I've been playing through the handheld Zelda games and i was on a boss that took me probably about 20 tries and i was so fucking mad last night i wanted to throw my ds but i didn't because i'm a i'm a controlled and easygoing adult but i wanted to break something but i finally beat it this morning i know and it was so gratifying to be able to beat it um i don't know how kids beat that game though it's the the last boss in that was like impossibly hard
0: maybe kids are just better at games than you are
1: maybe i mean i feel like especially like an older generation than me they had to learn how to play these games and like meanwhile i'm like most games i play i'm like drop it down to easy Mm -hmm. this didn't have an easy mode this was it i just had to go in and face it and i that there is something to be said about facing that challenge and not having an option to go down to easy because like some some games i'll be like oh i can't beat this boss drop it to easy you don't get as much of a sense of accomplishment that way it's it's fine but this way i was forced to do it and i wanted to do it and then i felt a really big sense of accomplishment when i actually achieved it so cool something to be said about no no difficulty modes anyways there's mine what's yours
0: so you alluded to it already we had a garage sale last weekend this Mm -hmm. weekend in a weekend we had a garage sale on friday on friday sunday (laughs) yes (laughs) we were gonna do it friday and saturday uh in the plus 38 heat um we started early on friday and it was super super successful way more successful than i was expecting um and i made a bunch of money and then i didn't have to have it on saturday and that was my golden nugget
1: yeah i mean you made nearly 400 bucks i did in in just that day and like people were uh we priced everything well you priced everything really well i was i was working so uh, you know i didn't get to be there for the most of the time but you no. uh
0: and then i did not share the money with you
1: no <laughs> i told her when I, I showed up after work at two thirty, and i was like i was like oh like you can go inside i'll uh i'll watch this and she's like no because then i'd have to share the money with you <laughs> <laughs> just super fucking selfish yes but we did just go to superstar today and you bought uh with that money you bought two lounge, lounge chairs. chairs one for me so you're you know i boy. feel like uh, you're my sugar mama over it's here. always true yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so yeah we've been doing this for a while uh 24 weeks actually
1: this is episode 24 yes wow
0: and at the start of every episode we do a land acknowledgement. And so today, I wanted to talk about what land acknowledgement is and why we do them.
1: Should, should have done this the first episode, if I'm being honest. Like, every week, they're like, they keep saying this, but what the fuck does it mean?
0: Yeah, well, it means exactly what it says it means. <laughs> <laughs> we live on land that belongs to indigenous people.
1: Well, there we go. There's your shorty. I guess we're done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so I'm going to quote here from an author, an Indigenous writer named Selena Mills from the website locallove.ca, and I'll link that in the show notes so you can go read her words. Um, but yeah, these are not my words. This is her speaking about why land acknowledgement is important. So according to Mills... Land acknowledgements are an honest and historically accurate way to recognize the traditional First Nation, Métis, and or Inuit territories of a place. They can be presented verbally or visually. According to Anishinaabe Wanda Nanabush, the first curator of Indigenous art at the Art Gallery of Ontario, land acknowledgements have one goal, regardless of their format. They commemorate Indigenous people's principal kinship to the land, and the fact that they have not and cannot be erased from her, their collective first mother. They're a starting place to change in how the land is seen and talked about, she says, and they help redefine how people place themselves in relation to First Peoples. Land acknowledgements were inspired by the 94 calls to actions that are contained in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, which is the TRC and I'm going to talk about a little bit later. According to Mills, they are a necessary first step toward honoring the original occupants of a place – They also help Canadians recognize and respect Indigenous peoples' inherent kinship beliefs when it comes to the land, especially since those beliefs were restricted for so long. Part of the point in making land acknowledgements is to recognize how systemic and institutional systems of power have oppressed Indigenous people, and how that oppression has historically influenced the way non-Indigenous people perceive and interact with Indigenous peoples. So, why do we here at The Reluctant Historian make land acknowledgements? So we're not a big institution, uh, we're not a system of power, we're just two people talking behind a podcast mic. However, that doesn't mean that we have not benefited from the systemic oppression of Indigenous peoples. Koda and I are both settlers on the land, even though our families have been here for at least four generations. But neither of us can claim the land as our own. And while we do feel a kinship to Canada, we also recognize that there have been too many horrors done in the name of Canada and that by being white settlers, we have benefited from these atrocities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. White people are the worst.
0: So, did you have any questions about that, Dakota?
1: Uh, I mean, no, it seems pretty straightforward. I, I like that we do it. I'm glad that you, uh when we started the podcast, that's something you, you, we've done since the episode one, right? Mm-hmm. So, I like that it's something that we include because it is important to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, we're just, this isn't our... <laughs> It's like, it's like that, uh, that, that song that, that Canadian, I think I made this joke to you recently, but that Canadian song, (laughs) um, he, it was in middle school. The song was like, this land is our land. This land is your land. Yeah. (laughs) It should be. This isn't your land, this isn't my land, we fucking stole it, or something like that. <laughs> you know, but we I feel did. like that might not has been that appealing to, you know, the fifth grade in me would have been like, huh? What? what we fucking stole it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been confusing, but we should be talking to children about that. Absolutely. Just in a way that's not like we fucking stole it.
0: No, maybe <laughs> but- your song could be for like adults.
1: Yeah. But, but anyways, I, I really like that. Um, I, I, I think it's really important that we, even a small thing like that, and just recognizing, you know, as us white people like to say, check our privilege. <laughs> this is the, welcome to the, uh, I make fun of white people podcast. Uh, yeah. White, white people, uh, you, y- you need to step up. Better, <laughs>
0: absolutely yes yeah. and i think one thing that you had said is that white people suck i don't think that we need to feel guilt necessarily for the behavior of our ancestors um oh
1: no mo- modern white people still suck
0: yes but i'm, <laughs> I'm
1: one of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we do suck it's true <laughs> yeah you won't let me say all men are trash so i mean
1: yeah that's fair well hmm that's a conversation for another day. I have to ponder more on that one. <laughs> yes.
0: But I, what I did want to say is that, yes, feeling uncomfortable about the way our ancestors lived and stole land from the indigenous people is horrible, but just sitting in our guilt isn't really going to solve anything. No, like how sure. you said, like, it's time for us to step up and we need to yeah, be it's, better.
1: It's, yeah, it's about doing something and recognizing, even just recognizing... um You know, what has happened and what's come before us and just learning from that and doing better from that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's always, I, I, I mean, I, to me, life is about, uh, constant growth and just continuing to do better every day. You're gonna stumble and, you know, uh, there's oftentimes in our relationship where I've said something, you know, as you can tell by the listeners, by the things I say on this podcast, I say a lot more horrible shit. In person. <laughs> so I so, uh, sometimes have said stuff that, that you're, you're like, hmm, let's unpack your favorite phrase. Let's unpack that. Yeah. Which I just love when you say that. I know. And then we, we di- dive into it and it makes, it makes me uncomfortable at first. But then oftentimes I'll think about it and come to, um, you know, a better, a more informed conclusion, I guess. Yeah. So... You're just, just learning so much. Yeah, I I know.
0: <laughs> which is actually a really good segue into what I want to talk about next, which is the TRC, or also known as the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, um, and the 94 calls to action that were contained in this report. Um, So have you heard of the TRC before, Dakota?
1: I hadn't until until right now.
0: Yeah. So the TRC was an opportunity for those who were directly or indirectly affected by the legacy of residential schools to tell their stories. It came about after the Indian Residential Schools Settlement Agreement, which was the largest class action settlement in Canadian history, which took place in 2006 and stated essentially that those who were affected by residential schools deserve fair, comprehensive, and lasting resolution to the legacy of these residential schools. One of the agreements of this class action lawsuit was the establishment of the TRC in order to facilitate reconciliation among former students, their families, their communities, and all of Canadians, which... You and I, and listeners, we all fall under that umbrella. So between 2007 and 2015, the Canadian government provided $72 million to support the TRC's work. The TRC spent six years traveling to all parts of Canada and heard from more than 6,500 witnesses. The TRC also hosted seven national events across Canada to engage the Canadian public, educate people about the history and legacy of the residential school system, and share and honor the experiences of former students and their families. The TRC also created a historical record of the residential school system. As part of this process, the Canadian government provided over 5 million records to the TRC. The National Center for Truth and Reconciliation at the University of Manitoba now houses all of the documents collected by the TRC. So this is important because it's giving a voice and um, like um a written record. So yeah, mm-hmm. there were oral records, but like... This gives written records of what happened at the residential schools.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: In June 2015, the TRC held its closing event in Ottawa and presented the executive summary of the findings contained in its multi-volume final report, including those 94 calls to action to further reconciliation between Canadians and Indigenous peoples. In December of the same year, the TRC released its entire six-volume final report, and all Canadians are encouraged to read the summary or the final report to learn more about the horrendous history of the residential schools and the lasting effects of trauma and the school's legacy. Uh, I've linked the reports in the show notes, so please make sure to read that because as Canadians, we should be reading that anyways, it's part of our history. And it's really important for us to understand what happened in residential schools. And it also gives us a little bit of a starting point to understand why it is so horrific to find the bodies of the Indigenous children that have been found recently on uh, the residential
1: school property. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess, uh, honestly, I didn't know a ton when it came to residential schools until this stuff came up about finding these on Mark graves and then you and i had a conversation you kind of told me just hearing that i was like it's crazy to think even here in saskatchewan that something like that occurred you know
0: mm-hmm. um well we actually had the longest or not longest we had the last school to close the on no, the gordon Punishai Reserve reserve like 94 or
1: 96, 96 96 which mm-hmm. is which is wild that was that was the year my sister was born 25 years ago yeah like that's insane
0: and that's why it's like Well, one of the reasons why when people are like, it's in the past, get over it. It's like, no, it's not in the past. That was 25 years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah, messed up.
0: Yeah. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission's final report is a testament to the courage of each and every survivor and family member who shared their story. Remember that as they told the TRC what had happened to them, they were reliving the trauma that they had experienced in the residential schools. So these 94 calls to action, these are to help facilitate reconciliation. Reconciliation means like the repairing of relationships between um, individuals or groups of people. And so we're trying to repair this relationship that exists between Canadians and Indigenous people. And so some of these calls to action, I'm going to read them to you right now. Um, and you guys, listeners, Dakota, me, we should be reading them anyways to know what we should be asking our government officials to be working on, um, to be doing ourselves even. So number 58... We call upon the Pope to issue an apology to the survivors, their families, and communities for the Roman Catholic Church's role in the spiritual, cultural, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis children in the Catholic-run residential schools. We call for that apology to be similar to the 2010 apology issued to the Irish victims of abuse and to occur within one year of the issuing of this report and to be delivered by by the Pope in Canada. So that hasn't happened yet, and he's still like refusing to apologize. Man,
1: and, and just a few weeks ago, I talked about how the Pope was cool and said Pokemon was okay.
0: I know. I I
1: take that back.
0: I'm really disappointed. I yeah. think, like he he did comment when the bodies were found in Kamloops. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was horrible and it was sad, but he never apologized, and I think I think that is awful. It, it needs to happen. He needs to check himself. He does. Number 62, we call upon the federal, provincial, and territorial governments in consultation and collaboration with survivors, Aboriginal peoples, and educators to make age-appropriate curriculum on residential schools, treaties, and Aboriginal peoples' historical and contemporary contributions to Canada, a mandatory education requirement for kindergarten to grade 12 students. So the Alberta curriculum, you might have heard, has like no, none of that. Like there's really no education at all. Really? About what this call is calling for.
1: Oh,
0: wow. I would say Saskatchewan's doing okay. Are we? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Number 73. We call upon the federal government to work with churches, Aboriginal communities, and former residential school students to establish and maintain an online registry of residential school cemeteries, including, where possible, plot maps showing the location of deceased residential school children. So that's kind of what's happening right now. They're trying to find... The missing children. Mm -hmm. Number 93, we call upon the federal government in collaboration with the National Aboriginal Organizations to revise the information kit for newcomers to Canada and its citizenship test to reflect a more inclusive history of the diverse Aboriginal peoples of Canada, including calls to information about the treaties and the history of residential schools. So I thought that was really interesting because what that tells me is that people, when they immigrate to Canada and become Canadian citizens, they don't actually have to have a knowledge of the indigenous people. So that's really interesting to me. Like yeah. I teach a lot of newcomers and, and the last one I want to talk about number 87, we call upon all levels of government in collaboration with Aboriginal peoples, sports halls of fame and other relevant organizations to provide public education that tells the national story of Aboriginal athletes in history. All right. So there are 89 other calls to action that as Canadians, we should all read Uh land acknowledgement. However, is not one of the 94 calls to action, but was inspired by the TRC. And so where are we at now with these calls to action? Um, A website that I encourage everybody to look at is called Beyond 94 by the CBC, and it was created to monitor the progress of the 94 calls to action. The site provides up-to-date status reports on each call to action, as well as extensive summaries explaining those status reports. It includes in-depth features and short video documentaries that tell some of the community stories behind the calls to action. It also features residential school survivors sharing their experiences. So I checked out this website. It's super freaking cool. Is it? Yeah. You, and it's really easy to read, um, and go through. So it's really, are there interesting. games on it? There's no games. Sorry. Aww. But it tells us how many calls to action have been completed. So oh, do you have a guess? Neat. Do you have a guess? How many have been actually completed?
1: Probably not a lot. Are there
0: 13? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And so this yeah. came out, the TRC was, uh, came out. And I believe, I know I just said it and I should know this because I'm a history teacher, but, uh, it came out in 2016. So we've only completed 13 of these. Um, yeah. So according to the website, 20 calls to action have not even been started. Hmm. 37 are in progress with projects proposed. 24 are in progress with projects actually doing stuff. Uh, and 13 are complete. So when you go onto the website, each project is represented by a flame icon, and if you click on that specific flame, it relates to one of the calls to action, uh, and then it pulls up everything that has been accomplished under that call to action. It fact-checks everything for you, gives a report on the issue. Uh, For example, the site states that in July 2017, the province of Saskatchewan designated a residential school cemetery as a provincial heritage site. Quote, This means the cemetery will be preserved and the burial sites protected – but it is not implementing all the requirements of call to action 76. So I liked it because it's like, okay, this is what's being done, but it doesn't actually fit that call to action. So anyways.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So as Canadians and especially settler Canadians, this history is so important for us to learn in order to understand our privilege and how we have benefited from the systemic oppression of indigenous people. And then not just to listen and learn, but to also take action and help to dismantle the systems of oppression that still exist and to question those in power who do uphold those systems. One small way to take action right now is to donate to the Indian Residential School Survivor Society, and I've linked their website in the show notes if you'd like to make a donation. So, that's the shorty history of land acknowledgements and the TRC. We are not leaving this one open to a rating, as I don't think that's super respectful, but Dakota,
1: what did you think? I was trying to think of, like, because, like, this one, it wasn't... It was more of an informative, and it... So I was going to give it a higher, a higher one because I was like a
0: super important.
1: Um, but
0: well, if you want to give it a 10 out of 10, that's fine. I,
1: I give this a, we can't actually count it in the official ratings, but we'll, I'll give this a 10. This land isn't my land. This land isn't your land. We so fucking go stole We stole it. We stuck. Well, I was going to go with, so go fuck yourselves out of 10. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I, the, the best podcasts tell their listeners to go fuck themselves
0: That <laughs> true
1: yes i'm kidding listeners don't do that
0: well that's all we have for this week we'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us if you enjoyed listening to what we had to say please download our podcast from apple spotify or google or wherever you get your podcasts leave a review or tell your friends about us.
1: And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian. Or if you want to shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted, you can email us at the Reluctant Historian at gmail.com.
0: So that's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week? What do I say here?
1: Uh, same time, same place. You say this every week.
0: I know, I always forget this line. So we'll see you next week, same time, same
1: place.